Good evening and welcome to 48 Shades of Football, everybody's favourite English language Korean footballing podcast. And on tonight's uh, rather segmented show, we're going to talk about K1. We're going to talk about everyone's uh, subject at the moment, VAR. Uh, we're going to hear from the Chief about the K2. And Mark has taken the time to interview uh, David Yoon of the uh, world-famous Tavern. The Tavern of the Taegook Warriors. Fantastic. Uh, we're actually, uh, do do forgive, uh, where are we? We're sitting by a bus stop, aren't we're we? outside allegedly what's known as Castle Park, uh, the home of Suwon FC, otherwise known as the Suwon Civil Stadium. Yeah, and, and the... Uh, and the bus stop. And the bus stop, yeah. Uh, so uh, do, we do apologise for the uh, for the uh, background noise, but if you listen carefully, it's actually making more sense than we are. Yep, and if you imagine where we're sitting, you know that we can actually see the floodlights from our... Recording no, we position. Can't. We can see can? the floodlights of the baseball stadium. That's what I mean. The, okay, right, we can see That's those. We, we can't see those. Actually, we can if you take a look. And they've just been switched on, so that means we got to we got to hurry. Uh, okay, K League One. Let's talk about K League One. And if you're a fan of the the, the bet type, both teams to score. You had a cracking <laughs> weekend. Yeah, I mean, every team scored. Every team scored. Every team scored this weekend. And people call the K League boring. They get these fixed. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, this weekend was probably... Um, I'm, I'm not going to say the highest scoring weekend in K-League history. No, because only, 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 two team, only two teams scored more than two goals and they were both in the same game. Yeah, they were both in the same game, yeah. Uh, so it, it began... I, I know you want to talk about Friday night. Uh, Jeju's con- terrible run continued, but a, a great win for Songnam. Yeah, huge win, yeah. So I think a few weeks ago, uh, I think I was talking to Paul about the upcoming three games and it was you know, Incheon Incheon at home Gyeongnam at home and Jeju away those were the three teams below us we could not afford to lose to any of them uh, and we didn't over those three games we got two draws and a win <coughs> not the same as three wins obviously but uh, the win against Jeju on Friday night was absolutely massive right and it was getting getting a win getting back in yeah. getting the yeah. three points and denying them <laughs> denying them any points yeah. as well which was I think we talked about this last week actually at the Anyang game about how Eder's 93rd minute penalty against Gyeongnam wasn't about getting a point it was stopping them getting three three right um, and I think that was key against Jeju was not so much just beating Jeju but stopping Jeju getting anything from the game right uh, which either almost single-handedly did again it himself. was a, a pretty uh, pretty even first half but a, a cracking yeah. goal to break the deadlock by Adair and yep. uh, a, a cracking equaliser as well um, for, yeah for Jeju uh, after the goal chopped off after because the... of VAR <laughs> which you could argue was actually Oh, whatever. <laughs> um, you can argue it was technically correct, which is what I think is going to be the, the two the two key words right now. Yep. Football technically correct, uh, but of course Songnam uh, then went on to win the to win the game. Very valuable three points, and uh, I, I think you're safe. Um, can we just talk <laughs> about the second goal? I mean, yeah, everyone, I mean, I know everyone has tweeted, commented, and said about how Idar's wonder goal. But can we talk about how un-Korean the second goal was? So the ball comes in from a cross, maybe a free right. kick, I can't quite remember, I was, I was on the Macaulay. And the cross comes in, and instead of the boy taking first touch, was bubbles and bubbles around, and then it's just slide in and slip it past mm. the goalkeeper. He just volleyed just bang, it. Yes, yes, one, one When was the last time a Korean, yeah. I'm not talking about a foreigner in Kiri, when was the last time a Korean player literally just put their laces through a ball like that? Maybe they've been watching Son. Maybe, maybe they've been watching Son. Mm. That's the kind of thing Son might try and do. But um, I, I was actually really surprised, because usually... They would have trapped it, brought it inside, hit to the right, fumbled over it, 
uh, and then sclaffed it, you know, off the post or something. Mm-hmm. But beautiful strike, beautiful, beautiful uh, goal. Jeju threw everything at Songnam in the last couple of minutes, but to no avail, and it finished 2-1. And, um, and yeah. you're, you're up to, to ninth place in the league, uh, just a point behind uh, behind Suwon, uh, but crucially, you're now six points clear of Gyeongnam, yeah. who are in yeah. uh, in tenth place. Uh, Incheon obviously in eleventh, and Jeju rooted to the bottom, uh, having lost their last four games uh, with just ten ten points. So there's uh, there's a gap opening up. There is, and I mean, I keep saying it, and at some point, you know, uh, two things I keep predicting in my blog. Are going that they have got to come true at some point, and that is Jeju are underperforming. Um, they they are, in my eyes, uh, I've got a far better squad than the bottom of the table mm. squad, a position that they're in. Um, and so, on the other hand, I don't think I have as good a squad as sitting top of the league right now or joint top. Right, and Seoul probably had a better squad than being in their position last year, but yeah, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't get out of it. They yeah. they were down there the entire the entire season. Uh, let's uh, talk, we mentioned Gyeongnam down there now, uh, Gyeongnam uh, played Incheon on Saturday uh, night and <laughs> VAR was involved. Twice? Twice, yeah. Uh, as poor, poor old Luke couldn't get anything. In the, uh, it was in the, uh, just before we go on to that, it was played in the, the Jinju Stadium, it's their once, yes. once a year trip out to Jinju. Have you ever been to Jinju? I've never been to Jinju and interesting enough, Changwon City are playing in the FA Cup on the same night as Gyeongnam are playing in the FA Cup and I wonder if that's why they were in Jinju. They always go there once a year. Whether that was that particular, that particular yeah. day they chose. But, Do you know uh, what? Did, can I tell you something interesting about Jinju? For me, interesting. Yes, sure. Jinju is one of the very. I've been to hardly any places in Korea except to go to stadiums. Jinju is one of the very few places in Korea where I've been to the town, but I've never been to the stadium. So you were there on vacation years ago. Yeah, back in the days when you could take back, vacation. Back in the days when I had vacations. <laughs> yes, <laughs> those days. Yes. Uh, okay, so uh, the, the the game it finished uh, finished one each. It was uh, a fair result. Uh, yeah, I think Enchon started well. Um, Hamad got his first goal for the club. Uh, beautiful breakaway by Magosa, uh, who I think is just a class player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he feigned as if he was going to shoot. Uh, crossed, squared it, sorry, and Hamad slipped it past the keeper. 1-0, Jeju, Incheon were probably good for the lead at that at that point. It was pretty early, but I think right. they still good for it. Gyeongnam came back in it towards the end of the second half, eh, the first half. Then second half, I think it was Luke mm-hmm. um, scored. It was, two, yes. Was two in a row now, because he scored yeah. against Songnam as well. And you could argue it was a poor goal for Incheon to lose. Right. He was completely unmarked, and he is about four foot taller than anybody <laughs> else on the pitch. Then uh, he was bundled over for a penalty just shortly after that. Uh, referee gave it. He then went to VAR to consult it. The, the camera, the TV cameras, stupidly, in my opinion, zoomed in on what the referee could actually see. Right. So I thought it would be mm-hmm. actually not illegal, but against the rules of whatever, right? Broadcast well, okay, whatever. well we'd, it would be nice if we knew what the rules were. That, yeah. I think that's sort of the whole but problem. Too, but the camera that you zoomed in right behind right, him, so you can right. see exactly what, what he was, what he was looking. Well, that's okay. that's okay. I don't think there's any problem. And it was the exact same angle that the, key, the, the yeah. JTBC camera had, yeah. which was inconclusive. So he then overturned what he originally gave, despite the fact he could not have actually known what he gave was wrong originally. As I've, as I've said a, a million times before, but, uh, though I'm starting to doubt myself here because now VAR is... is is now proving to be chaotic all over all over yeah. the world. I do think in, in, in Korea, with, certainly with the Korean referees, I mean, we've been watching Korean referees 
for uh, years and years and years. Yep. And, you know, in some ways they're no worse than any other referees. But certainly with VAR, there is certainly a thing in, in you know, an organisation like the, the KFA. You don't want to be the one to get blamed for something. Yep. So okay. if VAR gives you the opportunity, OK, I'm being told to VAR this, that means if I change my mind, I'm not going to get the blame. Yeah. So and it's think, so easy for them yeah. to change their mind. And for that penalty, I think he blew it early. So I was stunned. We were in Anyang last week, and the referee oh there was a there was a yeah. We, I know we're not gonna, we don't want to roll up that roll up that one. We were in Anyang last Monday, weren't we? And the referee didn't change his mind on a var on a var thing. We were we were shocked. Yeah, I mean he probably should have done. Actually. Should have done. Yeah. <laughs> like the thing that the biggest thing for me was um, yeah, I think he blew really early. I think he instinctively blew. Oh, looks went down. Well, he's a big fan of Luke, but I think he blew. So know, the bus, bus from Kangnam has just come in. <laughs> you know, like stickers went down, whistle, ah, maybe I should check that. And then he used VAR as a get-out clause. Yeah, which it is. It, I mean, VAR completely undermines the referee's authority, so yeah. the referee might as well just say, OK, fine, fair enough, I'll change my mind. And then with the, in the dying seconds, Gyeongnam scored to make it 2-1. Yeah, but... Uh, but <laughs> VAR was used again. And if the Gyeongnam player had a red shoe on, it was correct. If the young man put the white shoe on, it was wrong, and that's that's how bad it I'm was. I'm gonna guess they had a look and see so his shoe was red. And I'm gonna imagine. I'm gonna yeah. imagine that they had a look and see who was wearing what. Yeah. Uh, when they made that, because it was so close. There was a hand. Yes, the young man hand was off. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we go with hands. Um, and maybe I'm wrong with that one. And there was a foot that was in front of a foot. And if it was a red red shoe, it was in front of the white shoe, I think. You see, that, that's the thing. Like, even a week, like, we still don't know if it's the right decision. So therefore, no. you've got to go with the first decision. Yeah, and the first decision was... Well, the linesman did flag it, I think, actually. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, I think you should still... I think what VAR is... So you've got to go with the first decision, then. I think what VAR is doing is I think VAR is actually replacing the linesman. Like, mm-hmm. It definitely did it at... I don't know what was going on at Songnam Ulsan uh, earlier in the right. season. I don't know what was happening there. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, Gilnam, you could argue unlucky. Um, I, do, I do think the second one was probably offside. If the guy, if the Gilnam had the red shirt. But uh, at the end of the day, you were very happy because yes. it was uh, one each, and neither of those two teams made any made any inroads into uh, Songnam into uh, Songnam's uh, lead over them. Two buses pulling away now, and. Um, Hopefully, even now the lights are at red, we'll get a little bit of uh, respite from, from those. OK, so th- those were the bottom four playing each other, basically. And now, uh, the same night, Saturday, uh, FC Seoul went to Daegu. Daegu and um, it was... It was, <laughs> it was VAR involved? VAR, VAR might have had a role to play in that game, might not it? Uh, it I'm, so, <laughs> how Seoul were leading 2-0 at half-time? I don't know. It was the most one-sided first half. Daegu absolutely battered them nil two yep. in the first half. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, Seoul crossed the line twice. It's I mean, it says a bit about how ruthless, how different Seoul are this year. But in saying that, I did see the, the possession stats were fifty two percent, Daegu forty percent. So, so Seoul still had the ball. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it, at half time, at half time is fifty eight forty two. Yeah, I know. Yeah, which yeah, is not no. massive, right? But I think it was something ridiculous, like. Daegu had 14 shots 14 to shots. 14. Seoul's two or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was crazy. Uh, anyway, uh, Seoul didn't really... Uh, well, Seoul didn't really... They had actually had a couple of opportunities. Park Ji-young, actually, to my disappointment, cleaned through. He actually hit the post and it went wide. Could have put it beyond reach. And uh, Daegu thought they'd equalised in the last minute. So, you know... And it could have been ruled out because of a technical handball or a technical offside. And apparently officially it's gone down as offside. Officially it's but gone we down still as offside. don't really know. Because officially an offside is 
harder to, is easier to defend than the handball, which was almost certainly a chip, uh, top, top of his chest. Oh, yeah. Almost, yeah. almost certainly. I mean, I actually, interestingly enough, uh, I know it's a, a, a long time since, I went back and watched uh, the highlights of the John Book game, the John Book, Songnam John Book game, right. when Father like, Reverend John was there. Uh, and that was chopped off at the time I thought it was chopped off for offside and I thought it was harsh mm. it was actually chopped off for Moonstone men handling the ball and when you view it on the second replay okay. it's really harsh Man. and again I keep saying this if you VAR any handball it's a handball right yeah any handball on VAR is a handball uh, so either Cezina had handled it was offside was offside we don't really know it's gone down in the official uh, the official Support. statistics as being offside yeah um, so so won the game 2-1 uh, I'm sure. Um, sure, at least one part of four days of football was happy with that. Oh, well, I wouldn't mind. I, 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 quite, I, quite, I, quite, I quite like sort of win the league this year, actually, as well, because it, uh, I'm, I'm all for annoying the coalition of the righteous who went to that game, that relegation playoff, and uh, froze their. Uh, are we allowed to say nuts on this uh, podcast? Yeah, we can. Yes. Froze their nuts off while watching Busan. Uh, uh, failed to beat Seoul so uh, I, I, as I said I was a little bit ambivalent to, towards Seoul by the end of last year but the, the coalition of the righteous has changed my mind and now I kind of hope Seoul do win to uh, I'm a big fan of Tigers to a few people I'm a big fan of Tigers so I wouldn't mind also winning the league so that's alright yeah, yeah, as, as, as long as John Book did win it because yeah. if John Book win it I think that's three in a row and also the beat the Vico song on record of seven. Oh, is it really I believe that's true yes so um so their, their dream would become their reality as well, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I, if, if, if Osan went, I'd be more than happy. Um, okay. Speaking of John Book? <laughs> yes, yeah, speaking of John Book, yeah. So they played 2 on on... Uh, Blue Wings? <laughs> they played 2 on Blue Wings, yes. 2 on B. 2 on B. And they, they scored a wonderful goal, didn't they? Uh, so interestingly, <laughs> this was Edon Gook's 201st uh, K-League goal for, for Osa. And one of the more memorable... Memorable. Well, he, he probably won't remember it. But. Um, I'm just glad he scored that goal against Sanju last weekend, to be honest. <laughs> to make that the 200. So I actually talk about the, uh, David Junas day like, later on in the podcast. It would be. It would be a sort of. It would be very, very K League had that been his 200 goal. 200 goal, they'd probably have grows it off. But uh, so basically, plays VAR when you need it. Two minutes into the game, yeah. uh, the ball's put in. The goalkeeper gets it. Uh, Edan Gook does his usual. Just more being an annoying yeah. annoyance than anything else. Running towards goal, then turns his back on it. The goalkeeper puts the ball up, hits Edon Gook on the side of the face, the back, mm-hmm. and it rebounds over him and into the back of the net. And Edon Gook is as K League football news, <laughs> Korea football news, <laughs> told it. Yeah. Edon Gook was forced, forced to score, to score a goal. A goal yeah. The best commentary Wonderful. Yeah. of a goal ever. Wonderful. Uh, the game finished one each, didn't it? Well, it, yes, it did, but not without controversy. No. So Adam Taggart, who I still think looks like. The Something T, like the T, the uh, T, he's a, he's a Terminator, T, T1000, isn't he? He's either a T1000 or he's, he's a T1000. Or he's, uh, he's Robert Patrick. A particular exchange uh, that used to be advertised at 1am on a Friday night. But anyway, um, he's, he's one of the two. Uh, and uh, yeah, fair play him. Seven goals in ten, ten games, ten stars. Yeah, he's uh, in fourth place on the, uh, on, the, on the leading goal scorers at the moment. Um, Robin goes out. A lot of pace. Mm-hmm. Ball completely clean, clean through, probably go. But there was still enough time for the rookie to, to score, to put mm-hmm. John Book clean top at the top on points. But uh, only for it to be a Vard. Was it Vard? Uh, it was Vard off. Shocked. Uh, okay, there was one more game of the weekend. Nothing happened in that one, did it? 
Uh, boring, we went to VAR. Boring, nothing went to VAR. <laughs> so, <laughs> nothing was VAR in that game. We had nine goals in the all. Actually, that's not true. There was a VAR. Was there a VAR? There was a VAR. Gangwon scored a goal. No? Gangwon scored? Yeah, Gangwon scored a goal at 3 0. And it was VAR. Uh, uh, so, basically, what happened was Wanderson decided uh, everyone else in Pohang is shit. Apart from him, are we allowed to say that on the podcast? Well, we just, yeah, I think so. Okay. So he, his first goal, actually, I would love to get your viewpoint on the first minute. So within three or four minutes, the ball was played in, and the goalkeeper who was there, Lee Kuan Yong, the guy yeah. who was in the under twenty World Cup, comes out, and he clearly panics when he sees Wanderson, mm. and he palms it, palms it away, yeah. Wanderson comes in and takes it on his, I don't know, his, somewhere in his body, and slots it in the back of the net, mm. and. In the process, may or may not have hit had the some keeper, contact with the keeper, yeah. Who then rolls around in the ground yeah. and, the, and the goal's chopped off. Now, for me, well, look, it's the same time. Every, every time, it's the same as whenever a corner comes in, the goalkeeper falls yeah. over. If he's not touched, he always gets it. You know, yeah. you know uh, that he, happens. He's going to get it, but yeah. he did palm it up for us. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I think so, goalkeepers. I think goalkeepers are uh, overprotected. But I say that because I've never been a goalkeeper. Well, and I was always led to believe that if you have the if you have the ball in your hands, that you can't be challenged. But if you actually right. fumble the ball, you can. So he should have caught. He yeah. should have caught it. Absolutely, but yeah. He didn't. Mm. So that, I, I was, I was always there to believe. It that is, but you know, you know, in modern, modern football, anywhere, like the the, yeah. the, the goalkeeper goes down, he's going to get it yeah. nine times. I wouldn't say nine times out of ten. Uh, Forty-nine times out of fifty, he's going. Yeah. So anyway, Wanderson was obviously annoyed by this, so he scored anyway. Afterwards, <laughs> he then curled a free kick in that nobody touched, uh, in the back of the net. Lee Kuan Yong should have saved both of those, to be honest. And that was two 0 half time. Um, he then second half three uh, 0 then four 0 so Pong even four 0 with like I don't know like seventy minutes played or something. Uh, gang one pull one back, pull a second one back. Goes to ninety minutes. It's four two with ninety minutes mm-hmm. on the clock. Four three, <laughs> four four, <laughs> five four. Gang one. Incredible, unbelievable. Mm. What were Pohang doing? From 4-3 onwards, why kick off? Can I make a confession? Yep. I didn't watch it, did you? I watched the highlights. Oh, you did? You watched the highlights, right. right. I, actually, I didn't watch it live. I mean, uh, no, I didn't watch it live. I was actually out and eating yeah. one having pizza. Um, cannot Person. understand. Cannot understand from life, mate. How when, they could... When you go 4-3, yeah. right? When you put it back to 4-3 and it's 90 minutes on, on the clock and there's four minutes of injury time, right? When you kick off at four three, you put the ball you back to the, the goalkeeper. Ball out, yeah. No, right back to your goalkeeper. You put the ball right back and have him hold it for a minute, and then defend, 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 defend it back to goalkeeper. But we're not, we're not, we're not. This isn't the nineteen eighties anymore. Like you can't really do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so I say you boot it towards their corner is what you do. Okay. Well, I think that's what they did. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I would put it back the way. Yeah. But uh, anyway, cut long story short, it finished 5-4, the greatest game in K-League history. Well, I'll take issue with that. But, uh, <laughs> of course, so would I as well. But, <laughs> but yeah, 5-4, nine goals. Um, yeah, amazing. Okay, so uh, that leaves uh, John Book back on top uh, by virtue of goals scored. They've got a five better difference than, uh, than Seoul. And by um, virtue of also having and by virtue of also not having uh, not having uh, yeah not having played that particular round yet. Uh, Sangju is the other team who has yeah, only played sixteen games. Um, speaking of, you just said we've seen the best K League game ever, and um, see they're crying because they didn't see the best yeah. K League game ever. 
I think the, I think the game we're about to see is going to be the best gay league game ever. Should we go and see it? So one big banger. Yeah, should indeed. And I guess we'll var it later. We'll var it later, but we'll be back with the chief at half time. We all indeed. Today I'm joined by Sue One FC's biggest foreign fan, uh, the Chief. Joe, you're here. We're obviously here at the uh, Sue One FC Guangzhou FC game. Yep. It's half time. It's nothing each. You want to give us a quick rundown of how you think the games went so far? Uh, Guangzhou have definitely been on top, um, dominated possession really. But Sue One FC's had a couple of chances themselves. It's pretty similar actually to the last game out uh, we played Asan and it was very similar except we scored it right at the end of the first half. Um, so hopefully we get the same result as then. Okay. That game you won 2 0, right? That's right, aye. Okay. Uh, so obviously I guess the big news is that the, the, the North Korean boy is suspended. Can you see has there been a big change because he's not playing or like, tactically or is he just put somebody else in his place instead or I think this kid's putting somebody else in his place. I don't seem to change the tactics. Um, the problem is the player they brought in, EJ An, is, is not as mobile. I mean, An Byung-jun gives you a right good shift, really good in the air. Um, so uh, the replacement, he's working hard, I guess. He's trying, but yeah, he's just not as good, not as mobile. OK. Um, I think the last time that we actually talked about the K2, you were pretty disillusioned by it all. Thought so one were, I think at that point, sitting maybe sixth in the league or something like that. Obviously, there's been a bit of a resurgence. Yeah. Um, you're now sitting third. You know, playoff. Got to imagine the playoffs going to be guaranteed almost. Um, like, what do you think has caused that? I mean, has it been the tactics have clicked? Has it been the strikers? Has it been the midfielders? Like, what? What's what's suddenly put that run together from the last time we were talking? Uh, I'd say it's basically the strikers, uh, especially in particular Chisholm and uh, An Byung Jun. Uh, we're taking like last last season we couldn't score goals at all, and now we're taking our chances. But we're still playing as four three three, and we're very open in the middle. Um, and you know, a good team we're going to get punished at some point. Like even today, Guangzhou has had two or three really good yeah. chances, but just walking right through the middle. Um, so I'm lotte. I mean, Kim Dae must be working well on train. I don't know, but I still don't think he's set up very well tactically. But we're taking our chances away, so we're getting some results. Okay. Um, I know your opinion on Friday night K1 football. Uh, what's your opinion on Monday night K2 football? Ah, it's a very disappointing attendance tonight. Um, it's a flat atmosphere. Yeah, it's just, I just, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Especially if you're going to do it, have it local derbies. I mean, there's plenty of them available. But Guangzhou and Suwon. I mean, how are Guangzhou fans meant to get up here for this on a Monday night? And then eat the Suwon fans as well, working and stuff like that. It doesn't make sense. Uh, really, we're trying to grow the game and market the game. People look at these empty stadiums. It's it's no good. I mean, you mentioned about derbies. I mean, you could have played like maybe Suwon Vianyang or even even Suwon Eland or Suwon Butchon would have been a better a better choice in Guangzhou, right? Well, exactly. And in fact, Butchon are playing Eland tonight as well. So, I mean, what's the point of having two Monday night games? Yeah, surely. The point of the Monday night game is to focus on one K2 game. So I put two on at the same time. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, first half so far, as you said, it's been most of Guangzhou. Yeah. Goalkeeper putting in a pretty, a pretty sterling performance so far. He's doing well. He was really good against Asan as well. So, I mean, last season, the goalkeeper Kim Daso was the player of the year. Um, but he's not been missed. Park Hyun Soon, who, who was here last year as well, um, has stepped up and 
done well. There's not been too many clean sheets. Uh, but I see that's because we played, we're very open most of the time. But no, his last last game and the first half there, he's been excellent. So why do you think? I mean, that you, you've talked a couple of times there about being very open. Why? Why does he play that four three three? I mean, like, I mean, like, does he play it to attack more, or do you think it's just like is he too stubborn to change it? Or I, I really don't know. Because um, I do think does. Let's see, I've said that Leeds is wide open. I would change it, but he's got his philosophy and he's got his stick to it. And he's got to. Uh, Die on his own sword, I guess. Uh, hopefully, it won't. I mean, we're getting results, so uh, maybe I'm being too negative. But uh, you know, you've seen yourself that sometimes we're, we're easy to get through. Yeah, it's yeah. been last guys tackles or bad passing or good goalkeeping. But I would like to see us tighten up in the middle a bit. But he's determined to have the, the wide players, so uh, we just need to see how it goes. Chisholm's been a bit of a revelation. Uh, he came in. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, what he trebled his wages when he when, by coming to K2 and um, he's been pretty much he's been really impressive like in the last few months or so do you think is he a player you can see moving to K1 to like a John Book or a Soul or a Blue Wings or um, I don't know if I could see him going to the, the, the top four teams at the moment so Blue Wings is possible um, <laughs> but no I mean I think oh, he's a, Blue Wings. I think he's a type that like Sungnam, if they get rid of Jaja and they've got a space, he's got speed and power. On the break, he's dangerous. Um, so a team that has to defend a lot could use him as a counter-attacking threat. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully it doesn't happen this season, and hopefully next year he's in K1 with Two One FC. But okay. I could see him doing a job somewhere. Yeah. So you mentioned there next season uh, K1 with Two One FC. I mean, what is the, the what are the expect? I mean, last time I spoke to you, expectations were very very low. What are your, your expectations now? Do you think? Well, you know, obviously, playoff must be what you're aiming for now, right? Well, yeah. I mean, we've got a wee bit of a, ba- a wee bit of a gap. Uh, we're comfortable in third, so yeah, I would hope to get playoffs. Um, you know, if we win tonight, it, was, it could be a three-horse race. At the moment, Guangzhou's six points ahead of us. So, if they win tonight, then it would be hard to catch them. If we win ourselves, Busan and Guangzhou should fight it out. Okay. But. Um, Ultimately, I'm just not sure we're going to be consistent enough or, or keeping uh, enough clean sheets to, to go all the way. But get to the playoffs, it'll be a step up from last season and, and see how we go from there. And I think I asked you this question last season uh, and your answer was FCSO. So, team you want in the playoffs? Oh, that, that is tough. Um, Bear in mind, Songnam, Sioux 1 playoff is like a podcast finished, I know, friendship be, gone. That'd be the end of us. Um, <laughs> CSC... Disbanded. Why not, Sean? I think it might be Inchon. You think Inchon? Yeah. Do you think you'll be Inchon over two legs? I, I wouldn't say that, but I wouldn't say that exactly, but yeah. Why not? Okay, sweet. Okay, thanks, Joe. Thanks very much. Hopefully, the second half is a bit better and we get a bit of a maybe a three pointer at the end, yeah? Fingers crossed. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Okay, so today I'm joined by David June from the Tavern of the Takeout Warriors. Good evening, David, or good afternoon, David, I think it is. Yeah, good afternoon, Mark. Um, Pleasure to be here and uh, just talk about some nitty-gritty about the Korean football scene at the moment. So, yeah, keen to get started. Okay, sweet. So basically, today's main focus uh, is going to be on 
this are recent Korean national team squads. Um, we're going to focus on the on the men's football. I guess we'll talk about the female World Cup or the, or the female squad at a later date. Um, but you know, the, given my own sort of uh, personal and well well voiced feelings about Son, <laughs> uh, let's start with something positive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's start with the under twenty World Cup. Um, I mean, obviously they they, they reached the final and, and kind of bowed out. Kind of heartbreakingly to the Ukraine, um, Yi Gang in uh, won won the golden ball, which we'll kind of talk about a, a little bit later. But like, what was your like, what was your overall opinion on that run to the final? I mean, do you think they overachieved, or was it something that you thought they held high expectations before the tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think we all knew how much uh, expectation and hype was surrounding Lee Kang-in, um, especially going into the tournament. But overall, as a team, I feel we overachieved quite massively. I mean, that's not to take anything away from the achievement, since there was talk leading up to the tournament that the squad had actually set their sights on winning it. But um, I don't believe many fans um, had expectations for this squad to achieve as much as they did. I think um, Chung Jong-young deserves a lot of credit for his tactical adaptability and for managing the expectations among the players as well. Okay, okay, sweet. I mean, obviously, like, uh, Kangen was the, was the standout performer, um, but was there anybody else? I mean, is there anyone else who you, who you think um, kind of also stood out alongside him? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, many of the knockout stage games, and in particular the one against Argentina, showcased an uncharacteristically organised defence from Korea. And um, I think a lot of that actually comes down to the solidarity of the back five. Kim Hyun-woo, of course, who was standout and um, justified his importance as well as um, making crossroads with um, Dynamo Zagreb's interest in pursuing him permanently. But um, I think the unsung hero of the tournament probably has to go to uh, Chejin. Uh, I think eyebrows were raised when he was selected, uh, but he more than justified Jung's decision to select him and uh, deserves the opportunity to showcase his talents in the K-League in the future. i also give a quick nod to Ozehun, who produced um, very cleverly executed hold-up play, which is also uncharacteristic of um, Korean target men. So hopefully he'll come good in the future as well. Yeah, I mean, he, he's had a pretty good season for Asan as well. And yeah, as you said, I mean, he, he was kind of uncharacteristically good at holding the ball up and stuff, yeah. So I was, I was quite impressed by him as well. Um, uh, was there anyone who disappointed? Was there anyone who you thought maybe underperformed or underachieved? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's always harsh to call out players for disappointing after such a monumentous um, effort from the team. But I think Kim Jong-min, a lot of people had a lot of high hopes for him, especially since he's based abroad in um, Life Ring. Um, to really be a standout performer and a leader in the dressing room. But I think a lot of other players really overtook him in terms of importance as we reached the latter stages as well. A um, lot of expectations on him to be like the new Ki Sung Young type figure. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think overall the squad didn't disappoint too much. But if there was one player I had to sort of pick out, it would be uh, Kim Jong Min. Okay. I mean, they generally, in, in these tournaments, uh, I mean, you know, as, as a Scotsman, Observing, I mean, that we haven't reached the World Cup since '98, I think it was. Uh, but <laughs> it, it, it does seem that you know there's always one player in these tournaments that Korean fans seem to to kind of uh, pick on as being the the, the scapegoat. Um, and I guess, yeah, I guess as you said, it was kind of Kim Jong Un this time, I think, who seemed yeah. to be getting most of the of the kind of negative feedback. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously the final result was hugely disappointing. Uh, I mean, they, they took the lead through the penalty pretty quickly, and then, I mean, for a lot of the game, played on the back foot. Uh, in hindsight, is there is there anything that you think they should have they could have done differently tactically, or maybe even team selection wise? Um, I don't know. I, I'm hoping this doesn't come across as pessimistic, but I don't think um, there were. There were times in the tournament when I think a lot of the fans wanted Korea to be playing a lot more positively than they were, you know, like the scare against Japan. I think mm-hmm. we should have played a lot more positively to complement the playmaking attributes and traits of Youngin. But overall, I don't think Chong Jong-young put much of a foot wrong in terms of team selection, especially okay. considering that the starting players were, you know, of course, rotated according to their performance in previous matches and such. But, yeah, if there's one thing, I think maybe a little bit more of an attacking-based football, but I think that was a decision on Chung's part to play a little bit more defensively and on the counter-attack, um, which would be a little bit more successful in the under-20 type of stage where a lot of teams will be willing to commit players very much forward. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it was a... They, they came closer, I mean, when it was still 2-1, did a few chances and stuff. And, yeah, I mean, on another day, you know, it, it could have been a kind of totally different result, yeah. And I think they, when the tournament started, I, I, I don't know what it was like in Australia, but I think over here that when the tournament started, I don't think anybody in Korea even knew it was happening um, until roughly around maybe the knockout stages, maybe when they beat Japan, and then people started thinking, ah. And by the end, yeah. I mean... The other than Shindarim, and I could hear the 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 crowds somewhere, either in like either down by the park or city hall. I'm yeah. not sure where, but I could hear them oh, cheering and singing. So, you know, I think that the players deserve a lot of credit for for what they achieved. I think definitely um, disappointing at the end, but I think they they deserve credit definitely. Um, yeah. So obviously, Ekingen was the start of the tournament. Uh, were you surprised by how well we played? I mean, he like, he did have, you know, like I think two two years ago, everyone was looking at Lee Sung Woo when the tournament was in Korea uh, to kind of lead the team, and it didn't really happen. Mm. Were you surprised that Kang In was able to play as well as he did? Um, no, I think many at the tavern, and especially I think uh, Michael as well, he's been extremely vocal about giving youth a chance and. Um, especially Yi Gang-in, Pixel, all of those type of players that are just beginning to come through. I think um, Yi Gang-in has a lot of different attributes to offer to the Korean national team um, compared to Yi So I think his transition into the senior team might be a little bit more, I guess you can say, up to expectations. I think there were too many expectations placed on Yi given his um, scoring record in La Masia and things like that. But mm. I think... Yi Gang-in is an extremely important player, especially during this transition phase for Korea where the veterans have sort of left it to the young guns to try and step up. And I think he can really make all the difference. Um, it was clear in the Iranian match, I believe, uh, with the debut of uh, Pek Sung-ho that he was indeed um, a different type of player to what we're used to, but someone who could do the business when asked. And I think it's yeah. going to be the same thing with um, Yi Gang-in as well. Okay, excellent. Okay, he was called up uh, uh, to the main squad in March. I mean, I guess you've kind of answered my 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 next question. Like, do you think he's ready to make that step up? Like, uh, do you think that he's ready to move into the senior squad? Yeah, as long as he can get more minutes at um, 
you know, club level, I think it's only just a matter of time. I think the earlier these type of players are implemented into the national team setup, the quicker the countries can reap the rewards. We shouldn't be really scared of trying to implement younger players into the lineup because I think that's something that's actually really impeded career in the past. I think only when players... Um, there's a very reactionary, um, I think, expectation in Korea of players to perform at levels um, consistently that they perform throughout tournaments and things like that. And I think as long as we don't set the bar too high for Lee Gung-in, he can definitely come up, come into the side and do a job. Okay. I mean, I remember way back uh, in the in the 90s, maybe even the 80s. No, it, it was the 90s, I think, when when Scotland when Scotland made the the Under 16 World Cup final. That tournament was actually held in, in, in Scotland and we lost to Saudi Arabia. Uh, unfortunately, only two of the starting 11, I think Brian O'Neill and Paul Dickoff, uh, actually made it kind of successfully in, in professional clubs. Like, are you concerned that the same thing could happen for some of these players or, or, or most of these players? Yeah, I think that's generally always a cause for concern. You know, coming off the back of a feel-good overachievement can breed some sort of complacency. But I think this squad can definitely try to take Korea to the next level. I think the quality of the squad in terms of just raw potential and talent alone is definitely much better than 2017 um, and 2013, I believe. Uh, but I am sort of definitely wary of those reactionary ex- expectations that I mentioned earlier that are very prevalent in youth tournament success and especially within, you know, the Korean netizen type of community. Yeah. Um, yeah, if we look at um, Choi Yun-woo, Yoo Sung-woo, um, all the players that did sort of stand out for Korea in tournaments and the expectations that have been placed upon them to step up into um, a leading role is quite, I guess you can say, ambitious. Yeah. Um, but I do think that with these t- players, they were very much domestic, uh, based domestically as well. So as long as they get minutes for their club and um, they're performing well at club level, these players can definitely take career forward. Okay, sweet. Okay, so back on to, on to the senior squads. Uh, what, what is your your kind of feeling so far of the, of, of Bento's appointment? Like, do you think uh, it's been successful? Do you think he's the man to lead career in the right direction? I think this is um, definitely a question that um, everyone has been mulling over in their heads at least once within the last few months. But I think Bento has come into the fold and sort of bravely attempted to implement a strict vision and philosophy on how the team should play. And although it's not exactly reaping rewards at the moment, I think it's a big step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Like the last few appointments for Korea haven't exactly been inspiring. I mean, I don't think I could ever, (laughs) I don't think I could ever sit through 45 minutes of a Stilike era career without cringing at least once. So yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, there have been plenty of managers in the past who have lacked direction, and um, I'm pleased to have finally hired a manager who wants to impose a particular identity. So in that regard, I think we haven't given him enough time. We have to remember that you know Rome wasn't built in a day. Time is necessary, and we should reserve judgments um, regarding Bento's Sort of selection um, and his tactics until a later date when okay. you know he's been given ample opportunity to produce some results. Okay, so it was his birthday last week. You're confident he'll he'll still be in charge come his next birthday. <laughs> um, I'm I'm never too sure about that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, I wouldn't say that 
you know, I'd much rather have him in charge than some of the previous managers. So, okay. yeah, I think, yeah, come to his next birthday, hopefully he'll still be there. Sweet. Yeah, I think Uli was a, wow, <laughs> he, was a, he was a great appointment for, for podcasts. But uh, for the actual national team, I think he was a poor, a terrible appointment, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit too experimental, I think. And yeah. He didn't really have the right mentality at the biggest stages. So, yeah, good riddance for that one, I say. Definitely, definitely. So, like you mentioned earlier about, you know, how some of the kind of senior members have, have retired. You know, like, like the Asian Cup saw players like Ki Sung Young, uh, Didan Won uh, kind of step down. Like, do you think they're going to be a huge loss? I mean, maybe not Jidon Wong, but do you think the key will be a huge loss? Or do you think, you know, I mean, are you confident that there's other players that can step up? Yeah, I mean, Ki Sung Young was always going to be a big loss, and we knew that as, um, you know, rumours started to float around about his early retirement and things like that. I think Kujacho was a lot more important to the team um, uh, maybe about five years ago than he was as he approached his retirement. But after this tournament, I'm, I'm feeling pretty assured that we have many players who can make the next step into the senior level. I mean, fans will always draw un- unfair comparisons between legends and their successes. Yeah. But as long as you know these players are given the opportunity, we have a, quite a bright future on our hands. Like Just a note to add, this tournament has should have really brought attention to the potential of our domestic football. I think only three of the under-20 um, squad were based abroad, and um, with two of the players, Chejin and Jongwajin, even coming from university sides. And I think that should really bring us back to our highest priority, which is that the only way forward for a country in terms of football quality is by strengthening the domestic league and giving opportunities to young players in that league. So I think as long as we can sort of thrive towards doing that, we should be able to find players to replace Key. I mean, Key mm-hmm. was made in the K-League as well. Yep. So, yeah, he was indeed. Yeah. Okay, sweet. So, I mean, thinking more about the current players that are there, and, and, and you talked you know, like a little bit about expectations and stuff. I mean, Bento still seems to be struggling, like the previous two or three managers, you know, about how to, to find a system or, or find how to play uh, Son. Why, why do you think he, he tends to frustrate, or maybe that's just my opinion, uh, so much in a Korean shot? Do you think it's the systems that are played? Do you think it's the players around him? Do you think it's the expectation on his shoulders? Why do you think he doesn't seem to perform as much as he should, let's say, in a Korean shirt? Yeah, yeah. I think this question has been answered by a myriad of different sources. I mean, this has been one of the most common questions leading up to the friendlies as well. But I think the most accurate answer to give for that sort of question is an amalgamation of everything. I think Tottenham utilised a style or a system that plays to Son's strength, but as soon as he slips on the Korean national team shirt, managers and fans alike expect way too much out of him. I think, you know, Son is definitely nearing world class, but he's still quite a limited player. He has some unfavorable attributes like his, you know, his first touch, his creativity. He isn't necessarily a Gerard Messi type of player who can do anything and everything required of them. So another contributing factor is, you know, fatigue, I think. (laughs) Everyone's been screaming about that on Twitter. But um, although... Bento is partially to blame for that. I don't think he's been given enough time to familiarise himself with specific player strengths and weaknesses. And this, okay. this should come with time and with less meaningless fixtures that Son has to participate in. I think, yeah, there's definitely been a problem in terms of um, using Son uh, maybe a little bit too much. But 
yeah, I think we have to find a balance between relying on Son and relying on some of the other up-and-coming young players, like I said okay. before. Okay, sweet. Okay, I'm, I'm very happy that you mentioned Son's weaknesses. Uh, you're now my favourite guest that I've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> um, finally, I found someone who actually agrees with me. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, Son, Son's always been re- renowned for missing... I mean, I guess not, not so much now, but back when he was at Bayer Leverkusen, back when it was sort of early days of Tottenham, he was always sort of known to be a player that can finish... Uh, difficult opportunities, yep. make opportunities for himself, but ne- never quite necessarily finish the easier chances. Yeah. And um, I think although he has improved on that front, those kinds of weaknesses are showing through, especially in a Korean team shirt. Okay, Which is really interesting because my next question is talking about Hwang Yi-jo. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge Songnam fan. You know, I, I've watched, I remember the days of Kim Hak-bum bringing Hwang Yi-jo <laughs> off, like off the bench to kind of save the day and so on. Uh, and I remember I've, I've watched him in so many times like miss the easy chance and then score an absolute world-class effort. Um, do you think, I mean, is Huang Yijou, is he the man to lead the Korean front line? Like, do you think he can, you know, he is the man that they should be playing or starting every game? Um, oh, we should bring back the Wookiee. <laughs> no, I, I just suggest, um, but... For the moment, I think unless we experiment with playing Son up top again, I don't think there are many options that are clearly better than Ujo. Um, I think, to be completely honest, when he stepped into a Korean shirt recently, he's been one of the more standout players. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess a couple of opportunities that um, have gone by that you know he's been expected to put away, but I think that's always been a problem with yeah. Korea's front line. Yeah. Um, maybe there might be potential for someone like Ozehun to come up into the future and create a squad that is more based around you know the talents of the midfield, like I said, by playing off of them. Yeah. But um, for now, I think that's what, like again, Korea's problem has been for a while, a good, consistent striker who can finish not only the extravagant chances, but the simple opportunities yeah. as well. And um, yeah, I think the last time we've had someone like that is maybe... 2006 Park <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah probably. so and I think what, there's always going to be an issue, but Hwang Yi-jo is probably the best option at the moment, okay. yeah. And would you, I mean, like you jokingly said that there, but uh, would you ever see the rookie back in the starting lineup again? I mean, I was reading actually a piece uh, maybe about two weeks back um, on the expected goals versus um, the actual amount of goals scored for strikers in the K-League, and it's interesting to see that the rookie is still performing so well, you know, he's always been a consistent performer on the domestic scene. I think it's a little bit of, um, I guess you can call it, idonguk itis. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's never really stepped up in a Korean shirt. He's shown us what he can do, but it's an, it's one of the main problems again is that players who are successful in the K League will still have limited attributes that will impede their progress overseas. I think that's why Idonguk struggled so much with Middlesbrough. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, I would I wouldn't mind seeing the Wookiee in there currently, but as soon as we start to get some better youth options in, um, some up and coming players that have been given opportunities in the K League, I think we'll definitely have better options than um, the Wookiee and Hong Ijo in the future. I mean, I definitely don't want to see Idong Guk back in a Korean oh, shirt. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, not, definitely. Not. And his goal on Sunday, like his goal yesterday, was absolutely fantastic, right? Thankfully, yeah. I mean, I mean, thankfully, 
as much as I don't particularly like the player, thankfully that wasn't his 200th goal in a John Book shirt. I think I was really happy that, they, that he scored against Sanju the previous week because I think I thought it'd been his 200th goal. It'd have been a bit of a kind of embarrassing way because he has probably the the probably the, the most prolific striker I think I've I've actually seen in the K League. Yeah, but that being said, I don't want him back in a Korean shirt. That day has yeah. I think I think that ship has sailed definitely. Yeah. Okay, David. Well, thank think, you very much. Yep. Sorry. Oh no, that's all good, man. I was just going to add. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the case with um, Kim Shinook as well. His time has probably gone and passed. He's been given a lot of opportunity. He hasn't been able to make the most of it. Need to find other options. <laughs>